a defining moment today. How many of you want God to give you a defining moment? We're going to look at it again today. I'm doing a little series on defining moments. And I want to talk to you today about defining moments and why they come. And let's read about uh, one defining moment that came to Abram before he was Abraham. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Now stop and think a minute. He said, first of all, leave everything you know. Then he said, start walking, and I'm not telling you where you're going. You're just going to start walking. Now, if God tells me, leave everything I'm familiar with and just head in a certain direction, and I don't know where I'm going, that's a defining moment. Amen? Father, we thank you that you are the God of defining moments. And we pray that, Lord, right now you will visit this church and speak to us as the people of God about defining moments and why they come. Give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Illuminate us, and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want you to turn to your neighbor. Don't look at me and tell your neighbor, defining moments are on the way. Defining moments are on the way. Well, this was a defining moment for Abram. Uh, the call to leave everything that he knew. Think about it. Familiar surroundings, his vocation, his direction in life, his friends, his family. Everything he knew. Everything he had grown up with. God said to him, it's all going to change, Abram. Now, only God has the authority to come to any human being and say, I want you to leave everything you've known, everything you're familiar with, and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. This is the Lordship of Christ. This is the Godness of God. To be able to say to us, go or stay or do whatever, and we are to do it. Now, we talked last time about that little phrase, defining moments. And let me define a defining moment again for you. Because I believe that our God is a God who brings defining moments to people all over the world all the time. You know why? Because he involves himself in our stuff. God involves himself, and you know what? God messes with our stuff. How many of you can say, God's messed with my stuff even lately? Amen. God can do that, can he? Now here's a defining moment. A defining moment is a monumental experience or decision that changes the direction of your life. Now let me say that again. A defining moment is a monumental, it's not normal, it's not typical, it's not usual. It's a monumental experience or decision that changes the direction of your life. Now that's a defining moment. One day Jesus asked his disciples who they thought that he was. And Peter declared, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, Simon Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. It was a defining moment. Something Simon Peter never forgot. God brings defining moments to his people. On another occasion, Jesus told his disciples to launch out into the deep. You remember that? He said, launch out into the deep for a catch of fish. But they said, Lord, we have fished all night. And we haven't caught a thing. They're not biting, Lord, today. 
Jesus said, go. And Simon Peter said, nevertheless, at your word, I will go. And the Bible says that when they went out there and tossed the net, they brought in such a large number of fish that their nets began to break and they had to call out to other uh, boats and other fishermen to come and help them with the huge catch of fish when all night they had caught nothing. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' feet and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. It was a defining moment for Simon Peter because he suddenly realized who he was following. The Lord of the harvest, the Lord of blessing, the Lord of plenty, the Lord who commands the fish of the sea, and they obey. Defining moments. Now today I want to deal with why defining moments come. What is their purpose? Why does God send them or allow them to come? And how do we interpret defining moments? Because I want to tell you something, church. If you're walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have some defining moments. How many of you can say to me today, I, I know I'm a child of God by faith in Christ. All right? Then we've all had at least one defining moment, and that is when we met Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you can say that was a defining moment for me, say amen. Amen. That's a defining moment. But now, why do they come? Why does God send or allow defining moments to interrupt our everyday, everyday life? Why does He do it? Well, first, let me give you several reasons why God sends them. Here's the first one. God will send defining moments to turn us back to God. He'll send defining moments to turn us back to God. See, often like Jonah... The kind of defining moments that turn us back to God involves some suffering. Jonah decided he was going to flee from God. And he got into a boat, went the opposite direction of what God had told him to go, and the Lord sent a defining moment. The Bible says that a storm hit that ship, and it began to rock, and it began to reel. And the men on the ship were so aware that this was unusual. It was an unusual storm. Something about it was not normal. They began to wonder and and ask among themselves, uh, which of you has disobeyed God? And they finally went down to Jonah, who was way down in the belly of the ship. And he said, what have you done? Have you disobeyed God? Jonah said, it's all because of me. He told me to go to Nineveh. And I went the other direction. I got a ticket to nowhere. I got a ticket to the belly of a whale instead of the destination God had sent me to go to. And God sent a defining moment to turn him back to God. They threw everything over the ship to try to save it. Nothing could save it. Finally, they looked at him. He looked at them. And he said, I understand. Throw me over. Here we go. So they picked up the man, Jonah, and hurled him over this ship. And it says, God had prepared a great fish. Now you say, Pastor Jeff, do you believe this? I absolutely believe it. You better know there was a fish with his mouth wide open, waiting for the running and renegade prophet of God to hit that water. And as soon as he went down, he swallowed him up. And in the belly of that whale, it says Jonah got right with God. Let me tell you, God knows how to corner you. I don't know about you, but if I'm in the belly of a whale with all those gastric juices and my skin is being bleached white, I'm repenting real quick. God's got my attention. 
And what I tell people all the time is if you flee from God, if you get out of the call of God, if you run from God and disobey God and do it long enough and you're a child of God, he's got all kinds of whale's bellies out there. Jail, trouble, tears, heartache. Oh yeah, I have visited many a man and woman of God in jail. And I say, how do you like this whale? This isn't jail, it's a whale. God found you. And this is a defining moment. It's a defining moment when God allows pain to turn us back to Him. And that's exactly what happens when you flee from Him. And so C.S. Lewis wrote this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but He shouts in our pains. Some of these painful defining moments are beyond our control, like an accident, illness, something someone else does to hurt us. We can't control that, but it's a defining moment. They can come as a heartbreak, they can come as a physical affliction, a major letdown, a betrayal by a loved one or a trusted friend. And because of pain, because there is pain involved, it can even be bad decision making on our part like Jonah. But because pain is involved, it becomes a defining moment. And God sends a defining moment where suffering is involved to turn us back to God. Anybody ever had that happen? Oh yeah. Can I give you a spiritual truth today? God uses pain to bring change. God uses pain to bring change. No teacher has better results than the instructor called pain. I know it is. Thank you very much. I'm gonna, I'm, amen. Thank you. How many of you know it's good? I mean, we don't like pain, but it'll change us. Now, I'm not saying that God brings or sends all pain because sometimes you do it to yourself and I do it to myself and we're suffering from bad decision making. But I learned long ago that if you'll give it to him, God doesn't even waste a pain. Not even a pain is wasted in the dealings of God with you and me. Now, on the flip side, some defining moments are those times when God is involved in the pain. He did send it, and that is when He's bringing chastening to us as His children to turn us around. He will chasten us to turn us around. The Bible says He will chasten us so that we can become a partaker of His holiness. And He says, if God is not chastening you, you're not His child. If you're God's child, He's going to be chastening you from time to time. And when he chastens you, my friend, let me inform you today, it does not feel good. As a matter of fact, it's grievous, the book of Hebrews says, but afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are exercised thereby. Now let me tell you how strong this little phrase is. He says, he says for the Lord chastens everyone who he loves, and he punishes, even scourges, every son whom he accepts and welcomes. That word chasten means to instruct and to teach. But listen to scourge. The word scourge is to flog. And it's the same word used to describe the flogging of Jesus Christ by Herod. Patrick Morley wrote, The hard blow of chastening is the hammer that shapes our character on God's anvil. God will chasten you and he will chasten me. And he does it so that we will be partakers of his holiness. Because the Bible says that the blueness of a wound cleanses away evil. There is nothing that will make you get right with God quicker than a little bit of suffering. 
Now, I don't know what you came to hear today, but I came to tell you the truth about my Heavenly Father. He loves you enough to chasten you, to spank you, to whip you, where you feel some pain so that you will get right with God. You say, well, pastor, is this really biblical? Listen to this. David said, before I was afflicted, I strayed from God. But now I obey your word. And again, he says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Now, let me paraphrase this for you. In other words, it took pain for me to learn your word. Let me flip it. If I had not suffered, I would not have learned your word like I know it now. Have you noticed that when you're suffering, when you're in pain, when you're hurting either uh, on the inside or on the outside financially, it might be a hundred different ways that you can suffer. But when you're suffering, have you noticed you seek God better? Have you noticed you're willing to get up early in the morning and pray? Have you noticed that you dig into that word for answers? Can I inform you that you and I would not seek God half as good if from time to time we didn't suffer? Oh, thank you, Pastor Jeff, for sharing this with me. This is just making my Sunday. It's spring break. Let me tell you something. God loves you enough to bring his chastening rod down on your life so that you will get into the Word of God and study it for answers and seek His face and turn from your wicked ways and get the evil out of your life and get the sin out of your ways. And, and He uses that. David said, even me, the man after God's own heart, if I had not been afflicted, I strayed from God. I wish I could tell you that out of the goodness of our heart, we seek God. But you know, a lot of times we just get fat and happy and comfortable and our lazy boy watching TV, eating potato chips and just living life that we would not seek God if he did not allow some pain. So I'm not expecting a lot of amens, but this is the truth on a Sunday morning. It was in the presence of rejection from friends and a humiliating job, a near starvation, that the prodigal son came to himself and headed back to the father's house. It was pain that turned him around. It was suffering that made him look back at God. It was, it was, it was the affliction that made him say, I'm going to go back home to my father, even if it's as a servant and not a son. It was so much better in the Father's house than it is out here. So here's a little word of advice for you. Don't stray. Because if you stray from God, the chastening rod of God is not far behind. And he will find you. Now, here's the second thing about a defining moment. A, a defining moment cannot just come to turn us back to God. But a defining moment can be the voice of God signifying a new direction, a new assignment, a new calling. You suddenly have an experience with God that is unusual, that is out of the ordinary. A burning bush experience where God manifests himself in an unusual way. And he appears to you in a way that it's not typical, that you're not used to. It's a, it's a powerful, unusual manifestation. And oftentimes that is a signal, that defining moment with God, that He is bringing a new direction, a new change. He is getting your attention. He's going to do something fresh in your life. In 1505, Martin Luther received his master's degree, and in keeping with his father's wishes, he enrolled in law school. 
But his destiny was rewritten when, during a vicious thunderstorm, a lightning bolt almost struck him as he was returning to school. Terrified, Martin Luther cried out, Help me, O God, I'll become a minister. It was a defining moment. Have you ever had one of those defining moments where something in the natural happened, an accident, something that was kind of scary, kind of spooky, out of the ordinary? It was, it was in the natural, but, but God spoke in it and got your attention. He said, I, I'll become a minister. That was, it was a defining moment. And he promptly dropped out of law school, entered the ministry, and who could have ever imagined, not him, that one day he would shake all of Europe with the word of God? And become the leader of the Protestant Reformation. And everybody who is a Christian knows the name of Martin Luther. How did it all begin? A defining moment. Ironically, over two centuries later in the year 1738, John Wesley was attending a meeting where the speaker just happened to be reading some of Martin Luther's writings about the book of Romans. And he later wrote this in his journal. About a quarter before nine, notice he remembered the time. Because when you have a defining moment, you can point back to it and say it was then and it was there that God brought a defining moment to me and spoke to me and changed the direction of my life. He said about a quarter before nine, while the speaker was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. An unusual manifestation of God he goes on to write I felt that I did trust in Christ Christ alone for salvation and an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins even mine and saved me from sin and death and this powerful defining moment if you're a Methodist raised in the Methodist church you know that statement my heart was strangely warm it was when the Holy Ghost touched John Wesley's heart and that defining moment signaled God's call, His new direction for the future founder and leader of the Methodist Church and for the mighty spiritual revival called the Great Awakening that He would play a major role in. It all began with a defining moment, a spiritual manifestation of God. I want you to know that God speaks to hearts. You can be walking along in the same old, same old, just doing what you always do in life, and all of a sudden, pow, God manifests himself in your life. My favorite all-time preacher, my favorite all-time pastor, Pastor Howard Knatzer, Sonny Knatzer's daddy, was my pastor for years. And he had reached a point in his life where he was about to leave the ministry. He was tired, he was sick of it, he was tired of the criticisms and of no fruit. And he was asking God to touch his life. And there was no answer, and he had already begun to fill out applications to sell insurance. He, he was about to make the change. He had told God, I'm, I'm about to give up. And one day he went to get something out of his refrigerator, and it was like an electric shock. Touched his body, but it was not an electric shock. The Holy Spirit fell upon him in his kitchen when he was all alone and overwhelmed him with the power of God. It was a hugely defining moment. He could tell you the time, the hour, the minute, the moment, the second that it happened. And from that moment forward, he stepped forward and told his people and said, I don't know how you're going to take this because it was a Baptist church, 
But I have been touched by the power of God. I have been filled with the Holy Spirit in a way that I have never experienced in my life. He thought they were all going to walk out, but it exploded. And within two years, he went from 800 to 4,000 people in the Bronco Bowl Auditorium. What was it? It was a defining moment. And you know what I'm praying for, for you and me and all of us? That the God of defining moments will give us some defining moments we will never forget. I don't know if that's you, but I'm hungry for a move of God. I am thirsty to see God move. I don't know where you stand, but aren't you sick of sin and the world and the lies and the deception? Wouldn't you like to see a move of the Spirit of God? Defining moments are those burning bush experiences where our direction, our goals, and our purposes in life are changed by a visitation from God. It's exactly what happened to me as a young man. I said, Lord, if you're going to do something in my life, I need to see it happen. I'm asking you to touch me with your spirit. I prayed just what Brother Howard prayed. And one night the spirit of God fell upon me. You can call it what you want. You can call it the baptism of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, touched by the Spirit. I don't care. Let's don't get semantically challenged. Let's just say that when God decides to touch you by the Spirit, it's a defining moment. And it happened to me. And there I was, hair down to here, skinny as a rail, ex-hippie coming out of the drug culture. But all of a sudden, the amazing power of God touched my life. And something was birthed in Jeff Wickwire's heart that has remained a constant all these years. On my tombstone, I wanted to say his, his word was like a fire burning in my heart. Because that's what happened. And this incredible change in the direction of my life took place and God began to do new things and led me into preaching and teaching the Word of God. Let me tell you, I'm standing up here today, this was not a career decision. Anybody who chooses the ministry as a career needs to have their head examined. They need to go into psychology instead. Because it's not a career decision. You never step into this place as a career decision. It was a call. I have to be here because I want to be here. But the divine want to do came from the Holy Spirit. And see, God will touch you right where you are in your normal everyday life. He will touch you. Manifest His power to you. Especially if you say, Lord, I want to see more of you. Would you just give me more of you? Dangerous prayer. Because God will hear that prayer. If you ask your uh, father for bread, will he give you a scorpion? If you ask him for fish, will he give you a snake? Jesus said, and of course not. He said, so will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. He'll give good things to those who ask him. So, Pastor, I'm saved. I've got the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do. But you don't have all that you can contain. And just because you got the Holy Spirit when you got saved doesn't mean you can't experience more of him today. See, uh, listen, we need to be filled every day, not once sometime back there. I can't live on the fumes of yesterday. I need a fresh touch today. I need a defining moment today. So the Lord will send a defining moment by manifesting His presence in your life when it's a new direction that's coming. And then last, a defining moment can be an encouragement sent by God to build your faith and confidence in God's power 
and presence in your life. He'll send you a defining moment just to build your faith and show to you that he is with you. Now, I always go back to the disciples. It's one of my favorite stories. Uh, They were told one day by Jesus to get into a boat as the sun was setting. And he said, let's go over to the other side. They said, oh, no big deal. Let's get in the boat and go over to the other side. But when they were halfway across the sea, the Bible says they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Now think with me a minute. They wouldn't have been in the sea if he hadn't told them to get in that boat and go. Now do you think that Jesus said, well, I didn't know this storm was coming. Jesus knew the storm was coming before they ever left. And here they are in the middle of the sea. A ferocious storm has kicked up. And there they are, uh, 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 watching the boat fill up with water, the waves rolling. The disciples, who were lifelong fishermen, knew what kind of storm was brewing. They watched with increasing concern as the waves grew taller, and the wind howled like a pack of hungry wolves. They looked at Jesus to see his reaction, and what was he doing? Sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Have you ever been in a storm and it seemed like God was asleep? Have you ever been in a storm and it just seemed like he was nowhere to be found? Have you ever been in something that just went out of your control and it was like the Lord was nowhere to be seen? You didn't sense him, you didn't see him, it didn't seem like he was moving. And you wonder if he cares whether or not you're about to perish. The disciples had the same thing. It says the disciples woke him up, panic set in, and they they shook him. Can you imagine waking up the Son of God? They shook him. And it says that, they said, teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? Their defining moment was about to unfold in front of their eyes. They needed to understand something about Jesus. It says Jesus woke up. I picture him sitting up, kind of rubbing his eyes, looking around. Here's this howling wind, rolling waves, the boat's filling up with water, and he's not the least bit worried. Matter of fact, the 11th commandment ought to be, thou shalt not sweat it. Because he never does. He never does. I want you to say with me, thou shalt not sweat it. Particularly if Jesus is in your boat. Now if he's not in your boat, sweat it. (laughs) Sweat it real good. But if he's in your boat, he's in your life, he's in your soul, and he's your Savior and your Lord, then thou shalt not sweat it. Thou shalt not be afraid. Thou shalt not worry. Because he's in charge of the storm, as they were about to find out. He rubs his eyes, he sits up, and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Stop it! Now can you imagine being Simon Peter and the disciples? This man stands up and starts talking to wind. And starts talking to water. We've never seen this before. This is new to us. This is a defining moment. We didn't know you could address the forces of nature like it was listening to you. But you see, the forces of nature were listening to Jesus because he was God. At first, it must have seemed completely ridiculous to them. Like, hey, we we don't need you talking to it. We need you to get us to the other side. But to their stunned amazement, suddenly the wind stopped its blowing and there was a great calm 
defining moment. He said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, I read that and say, I don't blame them for being a little bit uptight about that storm. They were about to go under. But then I realized Jesus did not say to them, we're going under the sea. He said, we're going over. And they weren't believing the word of God in the middle of the storm. They said, we're going under and we're going to drown. But Jesus had said, let's go over. Cross over to the other side. See, when you're in a storm, you're not going under. You're going over. You're not going down. You're going through. You're not going to perish. He's going to keep you. He's going to get you to the other side of wherever it is he's calling you to. He's not going to leave you alone. This was a hugely defining moment for the disciples when they began to realize exactly who it was they were following. Why did they need this defining moment? Defining moments come not only to put something in you, but they come in a timely fashion. They come before something else significant happens. In just a couple of hours, they would look at the worst case of demonic possession in the whole Bible. Looking right at it. The, the demoniac of Gadara, filled with a legion of devils, snapped chains like they were butter, had a whole town terrified of him. And the disciples are about to look right at him and be faced with this monstrosity. Why did Jesus let them see him calming the waves? speaking to the wind because they said if he can talk to the wind and make it stop and talk to the waves and make them quit their rolling he can command these demons a defining moment prepared them for the next step so when the gathering demoniac approached them they were not uptight you don't read in the Bible where they said anything or fled or ran or, or, or blurted out something like Simon Peter was wont to do so often no, they stood there in silent faith as Jesus rebuked the devils and set this man free. Because they'd seen who he was. Defining moments come to turn us back to God. Can we stand together? Defining moments come to turn us back to God. They come to signal a new direction in our life. They come to strengthen and assure us of His presence and power. They come to prepare us for the next step. For what we're going to need down the road. Last night I was in prayer over these services. And I always listen to the Lord. What, what is He saying to me? What's He talking to me about? A lot of times He'll share something with me about... Uh, today and last night a verse shot through my head and the verse is this Saul had just been anointed king by Samuel and he's going back home to Gibeah and the Bible says that God added to him men whose hearts he had touched and that little phrase hearts God had touched began to ring around in my spirit and I said, Lord, what are you saying? Jeff, tomorrow, there's going to be people there 
whose hearts I'm touching. Our God is a God who touches hearts. He'll romance you. He'll woo you. He'll talk to you. He'll minister to you. He'll touch your heart and make it pliable to the will of God. And then I knew that we're about to see, folks, we're going to see as the days go by, more and more people whose hearts God has touched. I saw people drive out the parking lot before they get out of their car. Their hearts are going to be touched out there. This week, I came walking through the sanctuary on a weekday, normal business hours, and here I see a young man had come in off of the street, and he was at this altar weeping his eyes out. And I can't, I didn't recognize him, and I went up and began to talk to him, and he'd been in some sin, and God had touched his heart and he was weeping in the presence of God see that's what the Holy Spirit does he gets out there and he starts touching hearts breaking us in his presence giving us defining moments if you want a defining moment raise your hand today I want the Lord to touch you let's just ask him to do it Lord right now we just come to you in the name of Jesus we ask you, Lord, to give us defining moments in the Spirit. Give us those burning bush experiences. Help us, Lord. Touch us where we can have uh, the time, the hour, the moment when God moved in a fresh way on our life. Step into our everyday, everyday existence, Lord, and touch us like you did Moses as he just went out to herd the sheep. You touched him. Lord, thank you for defining moments, touching this church and touching people going by on the highway. Lord, this is the hour of harvest. It's white for harvest. May there be defining moments where God touches hearts all over this city. And I pray for anyone here today, Lord, under a chastening from God, that we would thank you for it and let it drive us into the Word of God and into seeking God. Any suffering, you will use it if we will let you. Lord, we thank you for defining moments to encourage us and strengthen us. To let us know that you're with us. He's with you in your marriage where you're struggling. He's with you in your singleness where you're struggling. He's with you in your financial struggles and your joblessness. The Lord is there and He's going to make it a defining moment in the name of Jesus. Let's just thank him as we worship a minute. Thank you, Lord. Well, give the Lord a hand today if you needed that word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.